Well, good morning, everyone. Buenos dias. Mr. Lupe reminded me, so I need to say good morning in English and in Spanish and get it right. So I was a little slow, but thank you for reminding me. Um, I'm so grateful to be here today. And I'm humbled and oftentimes marveled at how God speaks to his people and works in our lives. And sometimes it's subtle. It's that still small voice that we hear. Sometimes it's loud and it's in your face and he'll take out that street sign to remind you that he is still in your life today. And for me personally, this week, yeah, I've been teaching our teenage uh, classes in our MBA. And we started a new lesson on prayer. We've been going through a 30-day study of Jesus Christ. And we went through it this week for the first time. So every day we get a reminder on our phones on what scriptures to read. And I was reminded of a scripture um, that I had studied a few months ago. And we're going to get to that point. But first, I want to remind us of, the of a sermon that you heard a few months ago. And we talked about the untouched path. And we talked about Ether, the second chapter, the fifth verse. We'll have Micah put that up. And the Lord brought me back to this. Because for me, this is the theme for this year. For me, this is the theme for my life right now. Is that I would embark on a journey with Christ in a way that I never have before. And that's my goal for you as well this coming year, that you would have a relationship with Christ a way that you never had before. And what does that mean today? So Ether, the second chapter, says, And it came to pass that the Lord commanded them that they should go forth into the wilderness, yea, into that quarter where, they, where there never had man been. So if you remember, imagine yourself you know, in the scriptures. And everything that you know, you know, this group of people, the Jaredites at, the, at this stage in their lives, you know, their homes, their jobs, their families, and God says, it's time to go. Oh, and by the way, you're going to a place where nobody has ever been before. Imagine that over, what feeling that must have brought to them. Imagine the feelings that you feel when God kind of prompts you to just give your testimony. Your heart starts to pound, and oh, what is somebody going to say if I talk about Jesus in this scenario? You know, so even little things, we start to have this overwhelming anxiety. And God's telling these people that you need to change and forget everything because we're going somewhere that you've never been. And in that sermon, we talked about a few things that our goal for our branch, our goal for you and I, is that we would have an untouched, or this brand new relationship, that we would have a brand new faith, that we would have a brand new trust, that we would have brand new love in the Lord. And we took that further, and because without those things, we can't go forward. Because as a branch, we set a goal, and we said this year we wanna raise $300,000, that we can use to pay down our mortgage, so that we can be completely debt-free in this branch. So God wants to use us as a vehicle to do something. 
But without faith and without trust and without love, it's hard to give. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, it's hard to begin to do these things. We want to have an untouched vision of the Lord. I want us to paint a beautiful picture of where we see this branch in five years. And I hope your vision is the same as mine. That every pew would be filled here. That those doors would be open and we'd be packed to the back wall. That is my vision of this place. That people might come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we would have growth like we have never seen it before. But it all begins in your lives. This new relationship with Christ. That you would have a new love with him. That you would experience his love in your life. That you would have trust in him. That when he prompts you, you would go with him. And that you would have faith that he'll carry you through. And it's funny, I was talking with Brother Austin recently. And I made the comment, I go, did you ever notice that sometimes the Lord gives you a sermon? I don't think it was for anyone else but yourself. And we put a percentage of that. We said, well, probably about 99% of every sermon we have is probably for us first, and then we can bring it to you. And I think that was the Lord just hit me over the back of the head that you know, where I'm at spiritually, he wants to take me to the next step. And same for you. He wants to take you to the next step with him. So how do we get there? And to be perfectly honest with you, you know, as the pastor of this branch, and as we had talked about this and prayed about this, I was scared. And I did not think that this was something that I was capable of. And I prayed, no answer. We talked about this in Sunday school, right, teenagers? We feel that you know, we're crying out to the Lord and still nothing came back. And Lord, are you going to answer? Are you coming? And I was praying for an experience. And as we came closer to it, um, it was a Sunday morning. I was sitting back. And we began to have a testimony service. And one by one, as the brothers and sisters stood up, the Spirit of God came upon me. And the Lord started to show me all of the gifts that each and every one of you had. And I began to think to myself, I said, Lord, I want to have the faith like brother so-and-so. Lord, I want to have the gift of prayer like she, that sister. And he went through each and every one of you. And I saw this just kind of unfold as I was sitting up here. And I had this overwhelming love for you. And the Lord confirmed that experience that as he was calling me uh, as a pastor for this branch, that that's the type of love that I need to have. Amen. That I need to desire those gifts for you. That our desire here is that you would have this relationship with God, that as you magnify him in your life, you're a blessing to us and you're a blessing to everyone else sitting here. And it confirmed in my heart what he wanted me to do. 
And all along, it was something that I was fighting, that I wasn't ready. And to be perfectly honest, we are never ready by ourselves. That anything that we do, we can't do it without Jesus. We can't do it without his strength. So if you think that you'll ever get to that point on your own, the news for you today is that you won't. The only thing you have to do is say, Lord, I am ready for you to come in and take me there. So I want to go to a scripture that I read this week. It'll be in John, the first chapter, the 43rd verse. Because as I was thinking about this vision that we must have, and I thought about the Jaredites, how they stood there in this overwhelming call to do something. Here's a beautiful story of when, God, or when Christ starts to call his apostles. And it says, The day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee, and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. I love this. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there be any good thing that come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So what we'll go back to at the beginning of this story is as Jesus starts to call these men, these were not just some unlearned guys wandering around the streets. So when he tells Philip to follow him, Philip does right away. And then he goes and tells Nathaniel. And he says, we have found of whom the whom the law talks about, whom Moses talks about, and the prophets wrote about. So these men were studying the scriptures. They were looking for the Son of God. So this is where our paths start. That if you want God to take you to that next point in your life, you need to be busy right where you're at today. That it takes some active effort from our parts that if you want to see the manifestations of God, we got to start somewhere. And it's easy. We need to fast, we need to pray, and we need to read the Word of God. So it's not rocket science, but we have to start somewhere today. So as we start these things, 
Then the next step comes, because then God's spirit comes into your life. Then he starts to reveal to you. As you pray, he answers. As you fast, you see visions. You give, he gives you dreams. As you read the scriptures, it opens up to things that you've never seen. But this is a wonderful example that these were studied men. These were learned men who were looking for what was to come. And that's our goal today, that if we want more of God, we need to be looking for him. And we need to be looking for him in the right places. So never in a million years did I think I was ever going to be a minister for the Church of Jesus Christ. So God himself had to work with me in a way that I never thought was going to happen. But to get to this point, you have to be open to his spirit. Never in a million years will some of you feel that God could heal me of cancer, but for some of you, he has. Never in a million years did you think you would be out of a job for a long period of time and God would give it to you, a new job. So you see, we have to be open to his spirit by starting with these things. Because if we don't start somewhere, he can't, we're not going to know what to look for. I never thought in my life that Mesa would be the home for my family. Even when we were married, we never thought that Mesa was going to be our home. Is that right? We had prayed and we said, Lord, I want to go there. Sunny California seems nice. Or this place looks beautiful. Let's look for jobs here. And door after door, the Lord closed. And he opened this one. You see, but we could have kept kicking and we could have kept screaming and say, well, that's not where we thought we wanted to be, God. But when we open up our hearts to him, he can use us and direct us to where he wants us to be. I relate so much to Nathaniel in the scripture. Sarcastic, judgmental. What good's going to come out of Nazareth? Are you serious? Did you hit your head? What are you thinking in the story? And that's what he says. So another way for God to use us, and I know for me personally, is I need to start stripping myself of judgment and preconceived notions of other people, how God's spirit works, how he wants to be in my life. Because he wants to work with us. And you know what? He may not answer your prayers in the way that you want. He may give us a miracle in a way that you never thought was possible. And I shared this experience with someone who was struggling recently in our branch. And they felt that they had prayed and that God had answered, but that answer that they thought never came. And I related to him a time, and I've shared this before, where when my father was diagnosed with cancer, I remember he came up front, and this was at the old Tempe Women's Center where we used to meet. And he came up front, and I remember the prayer, and I remember the power. 
And I was certain in my mind that the spirit I felt was God healing and curing my dad of cancer. There was no doubt in my mind the spirit was so powerful that day. So much so that my family went back to the surgeon and said, we want one more test. See, we're going to test the Lord now. Yeah, we felt his spirit. We're going to convince ourselves that that's what, this was the way God was supposed to work. So we went back for the test, and the cancer was still there. And I thought to myself in that moment, then what was it that we felt that day? Because I was convinced that that was what was supposed to happen. I was convinced that that was the way God was supposed to work. This is AJ telling him what to do, right? So, years later, five years down the road, this is when I became interested in medicine, and I started shadowing the surgeon who did my dad's surgery. And we went into a room, and we had a terrible discussion with someone who was dying from their cancer. And he was very matter-of-fact, and he was loving, and he was kind, but he was honest with his family about life expectancy, and you know, we're talking weeks to months if we're lucky. And it was a very, very difficult discussion. And we walked out of the room, and he looks at me, and he goes, you know, as a physician, you need to sometimes be honest with people so that they have a realistic expectation for what's going to happen just like your father. So I looked at him and said, what do you mean by that? And he said, the five-year survival for your father's cancer is less than 2%. And we're standing at five years now. My dad was still alive, still alive at this point, years and years later. And you see, though I wasn't in that consultation that day, he had had the conversation of weeks to months with my family. So here, in my little itty-bitty minds, standing before the Lord during prayer service, I had convinced myself that God was going to heal him in one way, and the cancer was gone that day. And sometimes he will do that. But he may do it in his own way to teach us lessons to teach us patience, so that we might grow, that we might see another aspect of his grace and his mercy in our lives. But we need to come to a point within us that we start to strip ourselves of these judgments and these preconceived notions on how God's supposed to work in our lives. Because he is sovereign, but he has grace and mercy unbound for each and every one of you. That he loves us so much, he has promised us that he will be active in our lives. But I want you to know today, he may be active in a way that you never thought. He may be active in a way that you didn't know he could work. So as he continues to manifest himself to Nathaniel at this point, is where we come to in our lives. Where Nathaniel understood that he was the Christ, so many of you have been baptized and given your life to Christ. 
He will reveal himself to you. You will start your walk with him. But he says this, Thou shalt see greater things than these. You see, this is that untouched path that I want you to understand, that I want you to grasp today. That there is something so powerful. The way that you've experienced the Lord, he says that there are still greater things in this life and after. But we have to start. We need to start small as individuals and then collectively as a branch. That we need to be fasting, that we need to be praying, we need to be deep into the word of God. We spoke in our teenage class about when Christ was tempted this morning for Sunday school. And we said, you know, in, you know the first scenario, Christ defends himself with scripture. And then t- Satan tempts him again and Christ defends himself with scripture. And then the third scenario, Satan tempts the Lord with scripture and tries to confuse him and tries to trick him. And I made the point this morning, if we don't understand the word of God, if we don't read it, how easily we can be swept away, how easily we can be tricked, how easily we can be fooled. But if we are close to the Lord and we are doing these things, he will protect us because he has promised us that. So my prayer today, that we all might see greater things with the Lord. That as we embark on this journey together, as we go down this path where we have never experienced God, that it would be greater than we have ever imagined. May God bless you today. Brother A.J., for those wonderful words of life. It is an honor to be here with you today and to honor and glorify God. We have not been with you for a while, and many of our brothers have not, but uh, it's kind of interesting that Brother A.J. opened the service. He's the youngest elder up here. Now you've got the dinosaur. <laughs> got the oldest fellow up here. But we thank God that he does live, and Jesus lives and gives us hope, and that we have all come here and all have a role to play. And the question is, pretty, pretty simply, you know what your role is in life. Now, many of us play the roles in life and the roles of fatherhood, roles of motherhood, uncle, aunt, whatever, whatever it might be. That of a student doesn't make much difference. We all are concerned with survival and we teach our youngsters survival skills. That's the purpose of public education, to tell youngsters and teach youngsters from the elementary level preschool, elementary level, all the way through junior high and senior high, and some beyond, that they can find a role or a place in life where they can serve humanity and also make a livelihood to take care of their families and to purchase those items that make us, in quote, comfortable. You know, we're living in a day and time where there's all kinds of stresses. Our brother's anointed the sick this morning. We are surrounded with a coronavirus, for example, worldwide, now in 60 nations. We're concerned with the unknowns. We're concerned with the span of life and how long we are. And our brother indicated he was crossed out there with the cancer. I remember at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I had the opportunity to anoint him in his bed while he was suffering with that, that cancer. But, you know, the beautiful thing is I remember this young man, and I knew his father before A.J. was born. That's going back a ways. But we thank God that we have a role to play 
and we know what role that we're playing. And so the, the general purpose for life, and we think about Rick Warren's book, The Purpose-Driven Life. You get up with the morning and you think about your purpose for the day. And I get up and I say, good morning, Lord. A lot of people get up and say, oh, Lord, it's morning. <laughs> but you know, I, I recommend that you say, good morning, Lord, because we have one day at a time. This is the day the Lord hath made. Rejoice and be glad in it. That's Psalm 119, 24. It's written on outside the entry of the book, the church. So we need to find a purpose, a purpose every day we get up with a purpose. Many of you have a career, young and old, whether you're in school, whether you're working in your career, whatever your objective, your goal is to fulfill that purpose, whatever that purpose is. He talked about objectives and goals. We set those objectives and goals for this life. What can we do to improve our status or stati in society? Lydia and I were blessed with four youngsters, and we thank God we were able to send all four of them to college. Two of them became doctorates, and others had master's degrees and education, and so on. And that's all fine and good. And that was that was one of our goals, and that was a purpose for our youth in working 10 hours, 12 hours a day, whatever it took, whether it was as a bricklayer, a builder, whether it was teaching school to make a difference. What we did, we did things to survive. Our brothers up here do the same thing. And of course, the purpose that we have is limited to this life. Unless we get the big picture and we come to Christ and we understand there's a greater purpose to it all. There was a purpose for Jesus Christ coming to the world, and that was to save you and I from our sins or in our sins. He saved us through his death and his resurrection from Calvary. And so this purpose It can change, and it does change from day to day and week to week. The long-term goal, the short-term goal, the immediate goal, the present objective that we have. These purposes fill our lives with goals and expectations, and we strive to fulfill them for the honor and the glory of God. Do we not? And our roles change. You go through all these roles and all these careers. Dr. Tony St. James said, that in this century, and she wrote this study some 20 years ago, that in this century, people would change careers three times. Not jobs, but careers. So you might start out in the medical field, you might end up in the construction field, or you may end up in transportation, or you might be in the agricultural field. One of the other fields, there's 12 major streams with 50,000 occupations listed in the Dictionary of Occupational Titles. And so our purposes can change, and we can adjust them depending on what our goal is. So I'm suggesting our brother said, where are you now and where do you want to be as Nathaniel? Where do you expect to be on the morrow? Well, let's be honest about it. We're just passing through. Our beloved brother, uh, Mo Cole, I visited him in the hospital. He's in his last stages of life. And I whispered to him in his ear and I said, you know, my dear brother, this life is temporary but so is death. So is death. The passing away from this life is also temporary if you are a believer. If you understand the purpose of Jesus Christ was to that where you are now he once was and where he is now we will be. We have that hope and expectation beyond this veil of tears that we have a purpose 
to fulfill the role that God has placed on the earth for beyond survival skills, beyond just getting by, as it were, and paying off our debts and being mortgage-free or whatever it might be or paying off our car and all those things. Those are not bad goals. I'm not saying that at all. You young people have a great life ahead of you, just getting married, whatever, found a family, all that's very important. But I want to tell you this morning and stress the fact that you have a role that is greater than that if you know that your purpose on the earth. See, a lot of people don't, why am I here? What am I doing here? How many know why they're here? Can you raise your hands with me? Praise God, but look at the rest that can't raise their hands. <laughs> then I would submit to you, you need to start praying and fasting like our brother indicated to find out what God wants to do with you while you're here. That's an important role and a function because I got news for you. We're all going to pass from this age of action. It's just a question of time. We're all on that timeline from the time of birth to the time of what we call death. And of course, the good book tells us that we should cry at birth and celebrate at death. How ridiculous can that be? We do the opposite. We cry at death and we celebrate at birth. All the showers and all the blessings and all the wonderful times we have and building the bassinets and all the good stuff and hoping this youngster will have a great life. But it's a miracle that kids grow up to be teenagers. It's, it's a greater miracle that teenagers grow up to be young men and young women. And then beyond that, it's a blessing if you can live. I say this, you don't knock old age. Don't you brothers ever knock old age? I've arrived. I've arrived. Because if you knock old age, few have the joy of reaching it. Keep that in mind. Not many people. I never thought I would live to be this many years on the earth as that earth spins around the sun on its axis. And we mark time. Well, there's a purpose in that spinning. And there's a purpose in the sun rising, as we call it, rising in the east and setting in the west, and the placement of the great moon and the sun and the skies, the firmament and so on. God had a plan. He had a purpose for all of humanity. And you know what he said through his son, Jesus Christ? I would that not one soul would be lost. Amen. And that's the key. Now, the question you have to ask yourselves, if you know what your purpose is in life, and many of you don't, let me suggest that we can have a one-on-one -on -one somewhere along the way. I'd be glad to sit down with you as a spiritual counselor and so will these brothers to help you to get a gauge on what life is all about. There isn't anybody here that's guaranteed for tomorrow. Our brother Ronnie, how many years ago was that? 15 years ago now? Had, had cancer of the throat. He was given five years max. He's still here. But what is time? Time is measured to man. A thousand years like a day, a day is like a thousand years in the sight of God. Therefore, our purpose in being is to please God. And hopefully your purpose in coming here today is to be revived, instructed, encouraged, supported, to press on to the mark of eternal perfection, realizing that the day will come we must stand before the bar of God. Young and old, there isn't anybody in this room that will escape that standing before the bar of God. And we stand there, what are we going to say? I share with you an experience brother Mark Randy had before he died. I happen to be blessed with having his funeral years ago. He said, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, if Jesus appeared to the world and say, 
all their worthy come forth, what would they do? Marco, Marco said, I don't know. He said, if I ask you, all their worthy come forth, what would you do? He said, I don't know, Lord. He said, I'll tell you what, you stand still till the Lord calls your name. When the Lord calls your name, you'll know you're worthy to come forward. And so the purpose that we have and the purposes we have in life is to evaluate where we are now, where we plan to go. Our brother said a wonderful experience about five years from now. Well, I don't know if I'll be here or not, but I pray I am. If I'm not, I pray that God will bless you. That dream will be fulfilled. But the purpose of expanding the building or expanding the turn down that wall and let more people come to Christ is to teach people to get on the road to salvation. Then the road to salvation begins for you young people who have not made that covenant yet, begins at the water's edge. It begins when you say, Lord, I surrender all. When you say, I promise to serve God in spirit and in truth. It's when you say, initially, I believe there's a superpower. Now, many of you don't know your purpose, but I'll bet all of you know, why are you here? Do you believe in a superpower? Do you believe God created the earth and the heavens? All of you believe that, I'm sure. Do you believe he sent his son? We're right on the eve of going into Easter. Well, what's that all about? There was a death before you get to Easter, and the resurrection, the power of the resurrection, that's why I said, death is temporary. Because Jesus said, where I am, ye shall be also. For in my Father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you that where you are, I will be also, that you will be also. And so it's a beautiful thing to understand and to believe, not a myth, not a storyteller, but the fact that there is a living God. And when we need him, we call upon him, and he hears our humble prayer. There are many of you that have been sick and afflicted, and we pray for you, and we pray for our brother Mo, and we pray for our sister Gloria, and many others. We are going through the, the trials of life, but we know the purpose is for us. Remember the scripture said in the fifth chapter of Romans, study show thyself self approved, uh, workman, at the, oh, excuse me, it says there that you should uh, be very careful of joy and tribulation, tribulation is work with experience, work with patience, and patience works with love and faith and charity. And of course, in fourth chapter of Ephesians, where it says, study show yourself approved, working with God, and not be ashamed, ready to divide the word of truth. So that's our role. We are all students in the University of Christ, are we not? And graduation day is coming. And we'll all receive our diploma. Hopefully it will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Call you by name. You took and you made the promise of the water's head. And uh, you are now serving God. My purpose is to please God. Not just to hear Tony Picciuto or someone else speak, but to come here and honor God to love God with our heart, mind, body, and soul, to take the Lord's Supper that will give us strength and energy to persevere and to press forward through all the thick and the thin and all the trials and tribulations and all the overwhelming stimuli that comes our way every day. And that's what it's all about in a nutshell. So may God bless us this morning. I don't want to say much more, but I want us to know because he lives, we are here. We're here together. We're here to encourage one another. We're here to strengthen one another. We're here to help one another to go over the obstacles of life and recognize the surety, it will all, and I said it before, either you, you may attend my funeral or I'm gonna attend yours. It's that simple. I'm not preaching fear, I'm preaching reality. The reality is that we are gonna pass from this life and either we're prepared or we're ill-prepared. So I pray that all would be well-prepared. And those of you who have made a covenant to serve God will find your purpose on the earth and what you're doing here. It was more than just to be a teacher or a professor or a doctor. We have surgeon, which is wonderful, all the roles we have here. 
meat cutters and the whole nine yards. You got everything else you want to talk about, every role there is. But our biggest role is to be a servant of God and to please God with all of you. May God has blessings, Monica.